Good morning to my friends online from the city of Dunfermline. Anyone else feel another foot taller this week? I don't look at it, I know. Ah, good morning, guys. I cannot wait, I cannot wait to share the Word of God with you this morning. Cannot wait. There's, a, there's an event recorded in Luke's Gospel just at the end. Um, after he rose again, Jesus met two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And after he left them, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You can read about that in Luke's gospel. Their hearts were burning. And it's amazing when you think about it. They were speaking directly with Jesus. They were hearing the word directly from Jesus. The word being opened up to their understanding by the very word become flesh. And their hearts were burning. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life, Jesus says in John 6. No wonder their hearts were burning. They were coming alive. They were coming alive. People, we need to hear Jesus' word daily. We need to hear from him daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's time to live. Come alive. Come alive. Their hearts were burning. Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. Quicken your word to our understanding and let just burn your word in our hearts. Your word is a, a lamp to our feet and a, a light to our path. So whether we're on site or we're online, I pray that together we would be on fire in your presence, Jesus. Pray. Prepare our hearts, prepare our hearts today, I ask for your name's sake. And the people who were excited to hear the word preached said, Amen. 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 Do you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm standing on the, the shoulders of giants this week. Um, Peter Hall's testimony and, and teaching last week and, and Alan Kelly the week before that, Alan asked, a, Alan asked a great question. He said, what is your vision of church? Now, he's a brave man. You ask a couple of hundred people in church what their vision of church is, how many answers are you going to get? Yeah, brave man. But he followed it up. He followed it up with a couple of brilliant, brilliant insights. We don't go to church. We become the church I love this. I love this. Church is not where we go. Church is who we are. So it's less an institution and more of a family. In fact, better yet, a body. One body, many parts. And the church's pronouns would not be so much they and them as we and us. We don't go to church. We become 
the church. But if anything, it was Alan's second point that grabbed my attention more. He said, what I become is what this future church will look like. What I become. See, there's a lot, there's a lot in that line. What I become implies that there's a process that I've yet to complete. What I become means that there's a, a transformation that is taking place or yet to take place in my life. There's an assumption there in that statement. There's an assumption in favor of change. I am being changed. And then there's the responsibility. It's not they, them. It's we and us and that includes me. I can change. I can be the change. So if the church is made up of a whole bunch of people like me, it'll look like a whole bunch of people like me. Is, is that a good thing? Thanks, Alan. <laughs> what do I look like? Do I need to grow and change, and be transformed in my thinking, in my words, in my actions, in my desires? I like questions. I like questions. Questions are usually the start of a, a journey for me. Um, and these are a couple of big ones. Who am I, and what am I becoming? And asking the right questions is important. A few years ago, I had, had a midlife crisis. Now, I know what you're thinking. You look far too young for that. Thank you. I tried to stay well hydrated, and I have a rigorous skincare regime. <laughs> now, as midlife crises go, it wasn't very spectacular. I can't afford a Ferrari or a hair weave, unfortunately. Despite the targeted adverts on Facebook telling me that I won't believe the cost of hair transplants in Blair Hall. You ever see them? Random, eh? <laughs> Random. No, I got a set of decks, turntables, wheels of steel. I tried to relocate my inner DJ. Yeah, yeah. Didn't find them. <laughs> now, for a while, they gathered dust, you know, just like the Nutribullet and the, the bread maker. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to the right people. But then at the beginning of 2020, I set myself a challenge to do something creative just for the sheer enjoyment of doing it. So I decided that every month for 12 months, I would record a 45-minute DJ set. I would seek out new tunes. I would collate the track list. I would record the live mix, and I would upload it to SoundCloud. And I downloaded a free app for the recording process, and it did all I needed. I loved it. The fact it was free made it even better. So I started in January 2020. And then when lockdown hit in, in March, I began recording a series of uplifting gospel house mixes. It was a great outlet during a, a difficult time. 
And I got to the end of the year and I just recorded my, my 12th mix and opened up the app and there was a pop-up and it was demanding a paid subscription. Hit continue now. So obviously I panicked and closed the app. <laughs> There's no way I was accidentally clicking on something and paying for anything. So I reopened the app and the same again. The pop-up demanding payment and no way to move it unless I clicked that I was happy to continue. So I tried this several times. I tried it several times over the next few days. I could either pay an annual subscription or a weekly fee. Got to be honest, neither were particularly attractive to me. But I'd lost access. And I gave up. My free app was gone, and the few other apps that I tried were all rubbish. So 2021 slid by with no recording. 2022, until a few weeks ago, and I decided to try again. And I opened up the app, and the pop-up appeared. Pay now for pro license. But this time I hovered over continue. I don't know if anyone else is, is like this, but I realized that I think I've got a real problem spending money on myself. I, I can't do it. I, mean, I don't know if that's a self-image thing or like I don't deserve it or something. Maybe that's a topic for another message. But this time I thought, no, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to take the plunge. I'll pay. The truth be told, it wasn't a large amount of money. It was the principle. But I hit continue. And it took me to a landing page. And there were payment options for the pro license. And then along the bottom it said, click here to continue with free version. <laughs> I was delighted. And then the penny dropped. All that time, a year and a half, and it was only a click away. If I just had the courage and made the commitment to go after it, to open it up. I was living in an allegory, folks. What else was I missing out on that I already had access to for free? I only wish I'd taken that decision to continue. I only wish that I'd had the courage. So often we, we stop short or we, we compromise or we disqualify ourselves and we try to hold on to what we have or what we know rather than letting go and trusting God. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. See, there, there's more to life. And it begins on the other side of the cross. He came here for us. So what else am I missing out on that I already have access to? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So come to Jesus every day. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't really need to be told. We know it. We feel it. And it's a heavy burden. And yet we don't need to carry it. We can live free. It's a decision away. The word repent means to turn around. Literally a change of mind. And it brings with it a change of direction and we can decide to follow Jesus. So if you're hearing this message and you haven't decided to follow Jesus, to give him full access in your life, then my prayer is that he would reveal his love for you in the next few moments. 
that you would know his closeness and that you would have the courage to give your yes to him. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Don't miss out on forgiveness of sin and access to a fresh start. Don't miss out on healing and wholeness. Don't miss out on freedom from guilt, shame, or fear of the future. A new beginning with a certain ending. And in the middle, righteousness and joy and peace. Be anxious for nothing. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, I'll read it from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come to Jesus. It's a beautiful exchange. It's not about, and it's never been about, what we have to do. It's all about what He has done. It's free to us, but it is the most precious gift imaginable. How do you put a value on Jesus Himself? Do you know him today? If not, then this is your time. Hit continue on the life that Jesus has won for you. I've come that they may have life, says Jesus, and have it to the full. So at the end of the service today, I'll say a prayer. And if you don't yet walk with Jesus, but you know it's time to follow him, pray along with me then. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. In recent months, I've spoken and I've quoted from Paul's letter to the Ephesians many times. So has Alan, so has Mel. I love this book of the Bible and the way it focuses on grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And what God has done for us in Jesus. It says here, Ephesians 1, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adopted children of God. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, in the message version, I love this. You belong here. You've heard me say this one before, I know, but I love it. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day by day. A holy temple built by God, and all of us built into it, a 
temple in which God is quite at home. I love this. You belong, I belong, we belong. Ephesians is a beautifully written letter. It's in two parts, six chapters, two parts. Chapters one to three are to do with God. His love, His grace, the verses we've just read are all about what God has done for us. Chapters four to six are all about what we do, how we live in response to God's grace and love. Belonging and becoming. Belonging and becoming. There's so much for us in Ephesians, freely given by God's grace, that I don't want to rush through or miss anything. So rather than keep you here till four o'clock this afternoon, I think what I'll do is I'll unpack this over a couple of weeks in the summer. We'll have a, a, a series on Ephesians. I've got a couple of dates in the summer and I'll look into it more then, but I just love it. And there's so much in it for us that I don't want us to miss a thing. But today, today I want to focus on chapter four and pull out just a few points which will help us as we become the church. Whether I get the next slide, please, Ruben. Now, remember, what am I becoming? Remember, God loves you as you are, but you've heard this before, I'm sure, but he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you as you are. So this morning, I'm going to look at just three points from the first half of Ephesians chapter 4 and show you how these will help us become the church. We are called, we are united, and we are gifted. So firstly, we are called. Now, I thought I knew a bit about being called. In the last year, I've spoken about calling. Abram, Moses, Joshua, amongst others, how they were called out from their circumstances and their families and their societies, called into what God was doing, invited in. That's what call is, an invitation to what God's already doing. So his plans and purposes for blessing, deliverance, provision, and transformation of his people. So when I read in Ephesians 4.1, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, I'm thinking, yes, Jesus has saved me. He has a plan and purpose for my life. I should live up to that. I don't need to worry, though, because those that he calls, he also equips. What a privilege that God would trust me. It's amazing. And I'll lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. Great stuff, but I've learned something else recently, that there's, there's more to being called. It has a, a fuller meaning. Um, John Piper does a, a great breakdown of Ephesians on YouTube, if anyone's interested in looking it up. But if we just circle back to Ephesians 2, it opens with how we once walked dead in our transgressions, following the ways of the world. But by verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So from walking in the world to walking in our call, what happened in the middle? Verse five, right in the middle between verse one and 10. Verse five says this, he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, but made us alive together with Christ. So walking dead, made alive, walking in our call. Walking dead, 
made alive and walking in our call. At the act of calling, God makes us alive. The moment He's calling us, He makes us alive. It's like the story of Lazarus in uh, John 11, right? Lazarus had been dead four days, um, and Jesus stood at the entrance of the tomb and cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Now, that's a call to a dead man. Lazarus was dead. Dead men can't hear. Dead men can't respond. Dead men can't do anything unless the call creates life. So what I'm suggesting here is that the the picture of what Paul describes in Ephesians 2, the call, the call comes to dead men walking and makes us alive. So Ephesians 4, 1, lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. We should be aware in that, that we've been made alive by God in Jesus. And that his plans and purposes are part of that fullness of life. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So even our call is about fullness of life. And we, we didn't make ourselves alive. Let's be clear. God did it. God did it. We become alive in Jesus. And then verse 2 shows us how to respond. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And that brings me to the second point about becoming the church. We are united. So we're called, made alive, and we are united. And what is described to me anyway is, is real unity, not the forced unity of countless political or nationalistic or tribal systems that have been in place throughout centuries, or the pragmatic unity that we sometimes find in workplace teams or, dare I say it, family situations. We come together you know, for the common good, It's not the cultural unity either where we try and think or speak or act often in certain ways in response to prevailing norms. What's described in Ephesians is a unity that's much deeper and much purer. Spiritual unity, rooted and anchored in God. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit Binding yourselves together with peace. Verse 4 says this, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Our oneness, our unity, is rooted in God. And that's where we are joined. To Him... And through him to one another. We become the church in our unity. Okay, third point. We are gifted. We are called, we are united, and we are gifted. We are gifted. Verse 11 says this, Now these are the gifts 
Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, this, this is dynamite, if we can understand it. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that's diverse gifting and expression, but one purpose. Unity and diversity bound together. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The scripture does not read their responsibility is to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, it's not about them, it's about us, God's people, to build up the body of Christ. It's not they do it, it's we do it. And it takes all of us. Amen. Good, I'm glad I'm speaking to the right people. It takes all of us, guys. We become the church together, made alive in Jesus, united in spirit, building up one another in love. This is where the church is unique. It's inexplicably attractive, as Alan said a couple of weeks back. It's entirely different from anything else that the world offers or is able to offer. See, we have liberty, but we're not libertarian. We have community, but we're not communist. The church is one body, many parts, unity and diversity bound together in love, inexplicably attractive and different. The key is in understanding that our, our vertical life comes before our horizontal life. Do you see what I did there? The key, the key is vertical life comes before horizontal life. We're called by Jesus. We're united in Jesus. We're gifted through Jesus. A vertical life comes before the horizontal. It wouldn't work the other way around. We would be operating the same way that the world operates. We become the church when we come to Jesus and he transforms us and joins us and equips us, he pours in and we pour out. So let's imagine for the next couple of minutes that I'm not simply reading the Bible, okay? Let's try something. I'm actually preaching, but using only the words that are written in the text. So this is the message that I've come to, to deliver here today. Let's, let's listen to Ephesians 1 to 16 in full. See, it's not supporting my message today. It is the message. Yeah? So let's just read this. Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, and you've been called to the one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. 
However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when others try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. Amen. Now, I wonder, I wonder if the band could get up, because I'll, I'll be through in a few minutes if the band want to get ready, but in becoming the church, we're heading together towards the goal of maturity. Verse 13, this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 15 says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. But if we're following closely, we can also see a golden thread of, of love throughout the whole of this scripture. Ultimately, that is what binds us together, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. We'll speak the truth in love so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, what am I becoming? Alive, mature, joined with Jesus and one another in love. What is the church becoming? Alive, mature, joined with Jesus, we are his bride, and with one another in love. Now, as Alan said a couple of weeks ago, we are intended to be inexplicably attractive. That means we'll be countercultural, we'll be revolutionary, we'll be uniquely beautiful, and we will be fully alive. God bless you. Now, let's pray. Let's pray. Every head bowed. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. Jesus, help us to become all you have called us to be as together we become your church. Holy Spirit, guide us as we walk in your call upon our lives. May we be united with you and in love. I pray that we'd pursue you 
with our whole hearts, Jesus, just as you pursued us with yours. Jesus, I pray this morning that for those who realize their need for you today, give them the courage to decide in this moment to turn their lives around and follow you. Amen. Now, if you're listening to this message and you've decided in your heart to follow Jesus for the first time or maybe after a time of being away and to come back to him, I'm going to pray just now. Please agree in your heart as I pray and have the courage. Have the courage. Don't miss out. Commit your life to follow him afresh. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. God bless you. Now, with every eye closed, if you've prayed this prayer for the first time, and with every eye closed, if you've come back to God or you've decided to give your life to God, please raise your hand and acknowledge to yourself and to your Lord and Savior the commitment that you've made. you made that decision today, please come and speak to me at the end of the service. I'd be delighted to support you and pray with you and encourage you in your decision. Amen. Amen. To those online, please hit the response button if you've also made that decision and our team will be delighted to support you in that decision too. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. And let's worship the King. Amen.